take two of Redemption Meditations, the podcast of Redemption Bible Church in Belfont, Ohio. We are here on location at our uh, Redemption Meditations retreat, top secret location in the Great White North. <laughs> I'm here as always with uh, Elder Steve Crum. Say hi, Steve. Hi, Dana. <laughs> and also uh, the illustrious... Um, and newly crowned liturgical leader of uh, Lee. Anyway, it's Lee. Hi, Lee. Hello. So we're practicing with the mic, so hopefully it will all come out great. Uh, we're outside, so you might hear a little bit of a breeze. It is a beautiful fall day. Um, we are at the Fire Fellowship, the Fellowship of Independent. It's actually the Fellowship of the Fellowship of Independent Reformed Evangelicals <laughs> Fellowship. So it's the Fellowship Fire. of Fire Fellowship, um, regional fellowship uh, here in Rogers City, Michigan. We're just outside there on a, we have the afternoon off, so we figured we'd knock out a uh, podcast. Anyway, here we go. We have a question that we wanted to address as we've been talking about who we are uh, as a church, uh, who we are as Christians. We started last week by talking about what is the gospel. And so um, this week, I thought I'd set this up a little bit. Uh, I keep a document on my computer, and every once in a while we'll put um, part of it in the church bulletin. We, it's been a while since we've done it. But I've called the document, and we put it in the bulletin. We say, why do we do that? And so what we do is we address, um, why do we do worship the way that we do? And so maybe we should just start with that question before we look at the specific elements of our worship um, at, at RBC. So I should ask, I'll start with Lee. Um, why do we worship in the way that we do? Because what we do is very different from a lot of churches, especially these days. The core, really the core answer is that we want to worship in the way that God requires, uh, not the way that we want to, uh, in the way that culture may attempt to dictate us to worship in, um, different forms. Uh, it, it can take many forms, I should say. Um, so we want to worship in a way that is um, consistent with the testimony of Scripture. Um, and also we're, we are, are consciously part of the the stream of the Reformation, and a big part of that um, conscious identity that we take as a as a congregation is the regulative principle of worship, which says that we only do in worship what we've been commanded to do in Scripture, and that's verse the uh, normative principle of worship, which is uh, to worship any way that we choose as long as it isn't prohibited by Scripture. And those are two very different different ways. So we want to be as consistent with Scripture as possible, and that affects. Um, what we sing, um, how we preach, uh, whether we do a public reading of Scripture or not, um, how we pray, how often we pray. These are all things that, that come into account as we attempt to live out that, that principle and be guided by Scripture. Anything to add, Steve? I think uh, that uh, we just want to... Uh, look for things in scripture that are specifically pointed to uh, as far as what appropriate worship looks like. And as we go on today, I think we'll kind of tick off some of those things in more detail. 
but we can point back to scripture. We do this because here we find it in scripture as opposed to, well, we huddled up and we thought this would be fun. <laughs> and so we did it. <laughs> so we, we want to be anchored to scripture and how we worship. Okay. So right now I'm preaching in our, in our regular worship services at church. I'm preaching through the book of Leviticus. And one of the things that um, stands out, there's a bunch of things that stand out in Leviticus. One that stands out really should stand out sharply is that God cares how we worship him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so sometimes there's a, there's this kind of idea out there. Well, the Lord knows what's in my heart. So, so it's okay if I do this or that or, or you know, uh, sort of do things that make me feel good because the Lord, the Lord knows what's in my heart. And I think actually that's the problem, <laughs> right? Because right? yeah. he does know what's in our hearts, which are deceitfully wicked. Um, but, but he, like, he knew what was in Nadab and Abihu's heart when they went to bring him strange fire. Like they were, it's almost like they were eager. So in Leviticus 10, they were almost eager to bring him worship and an offering and um and he had just instructed them how they were to worship and they and they didn't do it in the right way and he struck them dead Mm -hmm. um and so i think we should take those things seriously how does god want us to worship that doesn't mean that we're under um levitical rules for worship right right? Right. we're not under the old covenant we're under the new covenant and so all of those things are ultimately fulfilled in christ but we worship um, how he wants us to. Um, okay, so uh, when we start talking about the Reformed uh, or, the, or the regulative principle of worship, there's an element to it that is, it's almost a range, mm-hmm. right? Like there are some that say, well, there's only psalm singing in the Bible, so we should only sing psalms and not, you know, like we'll sing hymns. We'll sing um, uh uh, what is our only hope in life and death? You know, Christ alone, Christ alone. Yeah. We'll sing that, or or great is thy faithfulness, or a mighty yeah. fortress. Songs that were written by men as opposed to scripture written and inspired by God. Um, so how do we know where to draw the line? That's the question I have. Well, I, I mean, I think that we do read, again, I'm going to go back to, we're still anchored to scripture. So, so we, we see, for example, in, in singing, I'll, let's use that as an example. The Bible says, sing to the Lord a new song. Okay. Now, what constitutes new? Is new last week? Is new the 1800s? Is new a <laughs> psalm? Well, maybe, yes, 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 maybe. Uh, the, the, the probably more critical question, if we're going to pick a song to sing in corporate worship is what is it that we're singing as opposed to the copyright date on it, <laughs> right? So right. yesterday's fine, maybe, but what is it that we're saying to God, about God, about ourselves, about what he's done to us? We're going to look to those sorts of things. Uh, those things are also regulated in how we worship, mm-hmm. just to use that as one example. Another, I think, another textual basis for, for, for why we do what we do, is uh, is found in John four when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and they're talking about worship eventually, and uh, Jesus makes the statement um, that the true worshippers worship in spirit and truth, uh, and I think that's a defining uh, text for uh, the purpose, uh, the purpose of choosing to worship um, the way that that we're 
um, the way that we do is because we not only want to worship in spirit, but to worship in truth. It's not it's not just about feelings, which is kind of where the the uh, the muse the church music world is kind of going. It's all about stirring up feelings. Uh, religious affections are are excellent. We're called you know we, we have those that as worshipers we feel, but we can't do that to the detriment of singing the truth. Uh, so thinking specifically about songs, we want to choose good worship songs that teach the truth of Scripture, um, that aren't just repeating uh, empty phrases for you know the purpose of, of stirring up mere emotion. Uh, we want to sing what's true because we tend to remember what we sing. And so if we, we, if we want to hide the word in our heart, um, yes, we read Scripture. We memorize passages and verses, but we should also sing not only the words of scripture that's excellent but we want to sing solid doctrine as well and that's part part how we learn that's how we remember um and these are all things that we should have in our arsenal on the lord's day yeah so as as scripture commands us um to uh um to sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs that like those things have to be um, rooted in so actually Paul writes let the word of Christ dwell in you richly singing psalms hymns and spiritual songs so the so God those those songs that we sing and all that we do in worship but the songs specifically like you're saying that we sing must be rooted in the truth of God's word right so they're either um, typically we, we I, I usually kind of say it this way they're either all of us singing to God Right. How blessed is your name? Those kinds mm -hmm. of songs. Or it could be like us singing to one another, saying how glorious is our mm -hmm. great God. Right. Things right. like that. Right. So so we're, we're proclaiming the truth of God, either either ultimately we're singing to God, but we might be singing like the lyrics might be mm -hmm. aimed at one another saying, hey, look up. Right. For look to Christ. Encouragement and exhortation. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. Let, let's kind of get into a little bit of the the nitty gritty of it. Um, when we when we start our services, and and so I said like different churches that all would say that they follow the regulative principle of worship, they kind of do a little bit different things, and I think there is a significant amount of freedom in that. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that I picked up on a couple of years ago, maybe several years ago now, is to start the service with an apostolic greeting. So here's what, um, as I'm putting together this document, why do we do that? What, what is an apostolic greeting? So I want you guys to kind of interact with this. So beginning a service of Christian worship with the apostolic greeting and a call to worship taken from the scriptures is a biblically appropriate way to begin a corporate service of Christian worship because it highlights God's grace and his initiative in saving sinners. The Word of God teaches that the only way for us sinners to approach God with acceptable worship is by His grace and mercy alone, which is in Christ alone. The apostolic greeting reminds us that when we come before the holy worship at His divine initiative and command, we have, we have received through Christ His grace, mercy, peace, and love. So, do you guys know an, an example of an apostolic greeting? It's kind of a weird term, apostolic greeting, but what do we say at the beginning of our service? Well, um, so it's it's typically a direct citation of Scripture, 
but usually involving grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a common greeting, for instance, in many of Paul's letters. He usually opens up a letter with something to that degree. He may go a little longer, a little shorter, um, but the idea is it's almost like ringing the gavel, banging the gavel at the, at the beginning of, like, to call court into session. Like, this is how we call, this, this is how we begin it begins with the with a an apostolic greeting the sort of we we are now entering the worship service grace to you it's it's welcoming it's blessing it's it's several things rolled into one but ultimately this entire gathering is under the blessing of our triune god yeah i would just add that you know typical in almost every one i can think of uh, just thinking back to our apostolic greetings to begin the worship service I think they all include that word peace, which is, first of all, you're, you're addressing those who have come to saving faith. And, and, and typically, you know, you look at Paul's letters, he's addressing these to the brothers and sisters in the faith. So he's extending uh, the greetings, including peace to them specifically. And I, that word is significant because you have maybe not explicitly you know explained out for everybody but underneath the surface of that is the gospel which is that you were at war with your god and creator but now you something's happened that is a pretty big deal because now you are at peace there's good news now for you whereas before you were condemned already mm. you know this is there's the difference between Jesus is coming and Jesus is coming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, those are two different things. Yeah. And so these are greeting the people for whom Jesus coming is good news. Yeah. And, and so greeting people with the good news of peace is a great way to start your worship service. Because again, we see that in scripture. Paul greets his, the people reading his letters who are believers the same way. So you think about the Old Testament under under the under the law, peace was achieved after the offerings had been brought, right? right? At the end of basically at the end of the service, at the end of the Day of Atonement, after you had done all, um, you know, followed the steps of the law, then you would receive peace, um, you know, a blessing of peace from the priest or whatever. Then you would receive that. Mm -hmm. Whereas when the apostles, Paul especially, but um, Peter does it as well, and John, in, especially in, in um, the book of Revelation, he starts with grace, mercy, and peace. Um, he issues that right at the beginning because they're already in Christ, because he's fulfilled all of the law, all of the sacrifices have been taken care of, and so the peace offering is actually, is actually an offering, like, when the apostles say that, it, it, it's almost a, an introduction, right? Hey, how are you? Mm -hmm. But it's so much more than mm -hmm. that because it is a, it is finished. Don't forget, it is finished. And here's what that means. Grace, mercy, and peace to you yeah. in Christ Jesus. And so it's interesting that um, almost all of the letters start off that way. Even Galatians, which is, I mean, he immediately, um, he says this. So What's wrong with you people? <laughs> right. So Galatians starts off, you know, he he introduces himself, give, gives his, um, his uh, he, you know, says that he is an apostle. And then he says to the churches of Galatia, 
grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins and delivered us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. Like he, The whole letter is a letter of rebuke, but it's written to Christians. And so he can start off, even though he is verbally spanking them, he can start off by saying grace to you and peace. Yeah. Because it's still true. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But man, you guys need a, a you whooping. need to shape it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, um, yeah, that's incredibly important. We're we're entering the that worship service. We're entering that worship service because Christ has acted on our behalf. Right. We're not doing something to try to earn something from Christ to to honor God in order to get a blessing. We've already begun with a blessing, and it it only gets better from here. Yeah. So so the first thing that we want people to hear when they walk in on a Sunday. Now, of course, there's always going to be you know fellowship and you know the hey how are you is out in the uh, in our Thunderdome. You know when mm -hmm. as people are coming in and and in many cases we've already had Sunday school, so we've been together for an hour or or more. But the first thing when we assemble to worship, the first thing I want. Uh, we want our people to hear those who are Christ's. We want them to hear this declaration, grace to you and peace from God our Father in the name of Jesus Christ because of the work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, so, so as we're thinking about a gathered worship and an order of worship or a liturgy, and liturgy just means order of worship, uh, religious service. Um, where do we put announcements? Biblically speaking, where should announcements be? Before the apostolic greeting, uh, <laughs> not not afterward. You know that's kind of, that's why I like to think of it as as sort of banging the gavel because there we can have some introductory business beforehand that needs to be addressed to the whole group. You know, upcoming events, other various things that might be in the bulletin, but you want to make sure you remind people of. But then, and, and I really love the way that we do it. Whatever announcements need to be made are made. We have a, a, a short period of, of silence to prepare our hearts to worship, and then uh, an elder comes up and and, uh, and gives the apostolic reading. Or does the call to worship. Does the call to worship. Yeah. 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 And, and so uh, announcement, I'm kind of almost facetious in asking that question because there's no good place in a service to put announcements. Yeah. And um, most people, the, like I'm not any good at we put them in the bulletin and all that and we still want to kind of highlight some things but um you know it is important to do some housekeeping but in reality like we used to do them right in the middle sort of uh, around offering or something like that and somebody said to me one day why why are we like it's almost like we've started our worship we're focused on god we're thinking about god we're praying to god we're praising god in song and then you stop and tell us about a cookout <laughs> right like yeah you're right like we really shouldn't do it in the middle of the service we're, it, we're just distract like to do announcements there are like a distraction um so there really isn't any good place for them uh but but some places are better than others <laughs> right so before we get started is better than between the sermon and the lord's table right? <laughs> right so that would be a terrible place to do it 
as you're so. as you're chewing. Yeah. So you know, between the bread and the cup is a bad time to talk about the picnic next week. Right. So yeah, we need more workers for the nursery. Yes, in some ways it's almost like well, this is something other than what we're here to do. But yeah, before we get started, it's a lot better than some other places. Yeah. But it's important, you know, this stuff can be important because it is kind of the life of the church, right? right. How are we doing this stuff together? Um, so so we go from, uh, as, as Lee was just saying, we go typically from a call to worship. And then we introduced uh, a couple years ago, I usually say something to the effect of, just take a moment to prepare your hearts for worship, right? So just, and, and it's actually really cool because the church just quiets down. Mm-hmm. And it like stops them from, you know, the conversation that they started, it's, it's actually cool to listen to as everybody just kind of stops talking and just takes whatever 30 Mm -hmm. seconds a minute to just like sit in silence there's no music there's no it just just prepare just get ready to to worship god and then one of our elders will get up and and actually issue a call to worship so when we say a call to worship what are we talking about well kind of what you just said that there's something is is changing right whatever we were doing in sunday school or announcements or or whatever you were chatting with somebody about we're about to do something different and and what we're calling people to is to as much as they possibly can set aside all the stuff on the calendar for this coming week and whatever's going on with work and homes and 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 marriage and kids and family drama and the car needs new brakes or whatever that we tend to all dwell on throughout the day on a normal day this is specifically a time to set that aside they didn't go to carl need new brakes in an hour right so we don't need it it, it, life will go on without you worrying about all that stuff now is the time to focus on something besides all the craziness of life that's why we're literally calling people to a time of worship and that necessarily requires letting go of all the things that are going to distract us from worship. Yeah, you're, you're resetting, by, by doing the call to worship, you're resetting the focus. So, you know, so we've received apostolic greeting. Um, we may, we've discussed a little bit of, you know, um, of, of things coming up between, for, between the members, thing, events coming up, things to do, body life things, and then we're setting our, our sights vertically we're looking up to god and usually we're doing this by means of one of several texts of scripture that we will hear read to us in the course of the worship service typically a lot of times it's from the psalms but there's lots of texts like these throughout scripture that are intentionally pointing us toward god um, sometimes celebrating a particular uh, particular one of of god's um, uh, attributes uh, perfections um, or, or just generally His grace toward us, and it's it's meant to set that focus. We're we are worshiping uh, our, our holy God. Yeah. So we'll start with something like, like you said, one of the Psalms, and there, and it's usually something short, just a couple of verses. Um, so, for example, Psalm one forty nine is a is a call to worship. It actually is a command: praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. And so it goes on from there, right? It, and there's so many of the Psalms especially that, that are like, hey, now set everything aside. 
praise God. Mm-hmm. Praise God for all that you have. And and um, so there's a there's a difference. Um, usually we try to like when we we sometimes get praise God for who He is and thanksgiving right for what he has done we kind of get those confused sometimes mm-hmm. and they overlap you know i'm not we're not too worried about that but the praise god part is just for who he is praise him in his sanctuary mm-hmm. he is worthy of praise and so when we come together this like our focus needs to be this is not about us anymore right. like you said the right. the car repairs or whatever like all that mm-hmm. stuff set that aside leave that outside we are called to be um, the ecclesia, the called out ones, and so we are we are assembling together. So when we gather as God's people, we are being called away from other pursuits to worship God together in a specific place, a specific time, right? yeah. on the Lord's day. Okay. So then, what we usually do after we do a call to worship, and then usually there's a brief prayer where we just sort of everybody takes a deep breath, and the person who has called us to worship. Um, basically just addresses the Lord. So we've addressed the people to watch, you know, to, to look to the Lord. And now we're addressing the Lord. And, and when the person goes up, when one of us goes up and, and prays a, um, a call to worship or, or issues a call to worship and then prays, we're doing that like we as a congregation are praying together. Mm-hmm. So so Lee might be doing the, the, the actual words you know saying the words of the prayer but it's actually the congregation you know saying lord hear our prayers may our worship rise as a pleasant aroma that type of thing Mm -hmm. right lord we are you know thankful to be here please accept our worship Mm -hmm. which he's promised to do right and 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 we can we can cry to him and ask him to fulfill his promises and and not because we think he might not right? right but because we're confident that he will right and it's an acknowledgement in us yeah. that he will fulfill his promises. So then we usually turn to um, some songs of praise. Um, so the first couple songs, in our, in our church, we usually sing about four songs um, a week. And the first two we usually sing, uh, we try to make them um, uh, specifically praise songs, right. worship, uh, um, like all of them are worship songs, but ones that are specifically um like some are more prayers and some are more praises. And so the praise songs, um, we follow passages like, for example, the Lord's Prayer. So the Lord's Prayer begins with, you know, our Father who art in heaven. There's the the, the addressing, um, uh, hallowed be your name, right? That's the holy is your name. And so we sing those kind of praise songs to God. Um, uh we sing a portion, singing a portion of our worship begins with that adoration of a triune God. Why is that important to begin there? Because the rest of our worship has to flow from that. Um, we're worshiping before the face of God, and we need to, um, as much as our finite human minds and hearts can can ascertain Him and understand Him, we need to praise Him on that basis, first of all, before we move to other aspects of worship. Uh, you know, everything comes down to the doctrine of God. Um, and so we need to, in order to praise, in order to worship God, we need to praise him for who he is, not merely for how he's acted on our behalf. And so having good hymns that address him that way, that that po- position our our hearts to, to think of him and consider him in that way, um, the rest of our praise can flow from that, from that spot. Yeah, I think that we're, 
doing in some ways the equivalent of taking off our shoes for the ground on which you are standing as holy ground. Oh, like yeah. re we're recognizing the the bigness and the greatness and the glory of God, and 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 the means by which we are doing that is through singing praises, and and, and hopefully we're in some ways echoing what's happening in heaven. You know, there are choirs in heaven doing that without stopping, and we're adding our voices to those, those uh, songs of praise and, and preparing for what's coming in the rest of the service. Yeah, so it, it should start with an acknowledgement of who God is, a praise of his name before we just come in and start asking him to do stuff for us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Um, and, and asking him to do stuff for like praying for, we pray for, we'll, we'll get to this in a minute. We pray for sick people and we ask God to heal them. Right. We, mm -hmm. we pray for things. We pray for more kids. We pray for those things. Um, it, it, that is good and right mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah. But we need to acknowledge that there's actually an order here mm -hmm. and we need to proclaim hallowed be your name before we ask him Help to us. give us our daily bread, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so we usually then move into, even in our, we sing a couple songs of praise, and then we pray a prayer as um, repentance. Um, why, if we are Christians who have um, accepted Jesus, who have believed in Christ, who have called upon his name, why must we also, as a church, repent of our sins as a as a prayer as a group mm -hmm. Tell well us how bad we are steve <laughs> <laughs> so what i mean the, the the easy short initial answer is because we keep sinning <laughs> right so so it's, it's it, there's more to it than that but it is certainly that we've since the last time we were here we were up to some sinning <laughs> over the last six days right right so and part of it is that there is, when we look at, for example, Psalm 51, and, and David is mourning. He, he's broken over his sin. Now, we're not, our job as a church is not to just crush people to dust over their sin and then that's it, right? So being brokenness over sin should lead us to other places like the cross, the empty tomb, there is therefore now no condemnation, you know, but it is, you do want people who have a sensitivity to their sin. We don't want people coming in there, sitting down saying, I'm good. Right. You know, at least I'm not like those people yeah. is not right. a spiritually healthy place to be. Waving right. those logs around. Right. We got, we got big problems there. So there is an appropriate amount of mourning over sin, of recognizing our, our sin, of going to God as opposed to fleeing from him or hiding from him. Mm -hmm. And we can, and we have to be careful here because brokenness could be, uh, you know, Satan's called the accuser. And so if we're going to recognize our sin at all, then the next best thing is to just say, well, then I couldn't possibly worship. Yeah. So we want brokenness to lead us to the hope we have in Christ that his, you know, the substitutionary atonement, atoning work he has done for his people. This has been paid for. My slate's clean. Yes, I've done these terrible things. I need a savior, but I have a savior. Yeah, yeah. And I also, I want to take, I want to take the other side of it as well. You know, because we have a prayer of repentance at at worship service, that doesn't mean that we 
uh, hold on to all of our repentance so we can repent on Sunday. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Pastor will repent for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're, we're not Roman Catholics up. going to confession. Like, wait, oh, you know, forgive me. I, I, it's been a week or whatever. No, it's like we're still, we're still living lives of repentance as we've been called to in the gospel. Um, but it's really important to, to carve out that time in our liturgy for repentance because it is so core to the life of the Christian. Um, the reason that we come to worship isn't because we're so good. It's because God is good. And in the same way that when we, as we talked about last time, talking about the gospel, we have to know the bad news before we can tell the good news. We need to recognize as a people gathered before the face of God, uh, in the presence of God, we are not worthy of the good things that have been given to us. We are sinful, and yet, God, in your mercy, you've called us to repent, and you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from our, from our unrighteousness. And so we do, we will, we do bring that in our service, but that's, we're not saving up our repentance to deliver it on Sunday as if it were a sacrifice. No, we still live a life of repentance, but it's very, very, very important to bring that and, and make time for that in our liturgy on Sunday because it is so core to the Christian life. Yeah, there's an element to it that is um, even so far in what we've done, right? We've, we've, uh, issued the the greeting grace to you and peace we've called people to worship or even before that we've taken a moment to prepare our hearts then we've called people to worship we've sung songs of praise if you think about isaiah chapter 6 when isaiah gets this vision of heaven there's there's this element of the angels are singing songs of praise right and when isaiah realizes where he is He's like, woe to me, I am undone. Yeah. Right. So, so he like puts his hand over his mouth. You know, I'm a, I'm a people of, uh, I have unclean lips. I'm a people mm -hmm. of unclean lips. Like, I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, um, like, it's almost like Isaiah is convinced that he should not be there because <laughs> of his sin. Right. And um, that's sort he's of not incorrect. He's not <laughs> yeah. incorrect, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God, yeah. um, you know, we have sinned. So, what do we do to kind of look at it from the other side? What do we do with those who say, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think I sinned this week," and I don't mean like those in sort of that holiness movement that mm -hmm. believe that they've mm -hmm. achieved perfection on earth, which is ridiculous, but. Um, what do we do with those who are like, I don't, I can't think of any time that I sinned this week. I, I would call on them to perceive their own heart. Um, if you've been a Christian for a long time, I've told other people this, you've, if you've been actively warring against your sin for a long time and been a Christian for a long time, um, you, it, your sins might not reach to the the point of being outwardly visible yes. and outwardly destructive to other people or yourself. Um, but you need to look into your own heart and see where those sins are beginning before they become an outward action. Um, that that same sinful posture of your heart is still there and perceiving those sins and, and be killing sin or sin will be killing you. That's a, that's a battle that happens just as much in our own hearts as it does in our hands, for yeah. example. Uh, so I would I would call on folks to to really search your heart and find attitudes that put yourself above God and begin serving yourself or looking toward yourself first and not um, dying to self, taking up your cross and following Christ. So some have said that there are like uh, you 
kind of can look at it this way. There are sins of commission and sins of omission, right? Yeah. Sins that you commit, right? You get mad, you, you get, you know, whatever. You do something mm-hmm. to someone. Or there's the things that you should do and don't and um, or neglect to do, whether mm-hmm. even conscious or not. And I, I think of uh, lately the way I've been thinking about this, especially because of preaching in Leviticus, I'm kind of thinking a lot about the law, right? So Jesus summarized the law as love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And um, uh, those sins of commission or omission, you you can see, when you just look at those two things, you can see easily how you've done that mm-hmm. or not done that, right? Yeah. You've either been angry with someone or with God, or you've just not given him the proper adoration that he deserves, <laughs> which— right. I mean, that right there, right? We've, I've not loved my neighbor as myself. I've been more selfish and not even thought about my neighbor. Mm-hmm. That might be an issue. Yeah. Um, so so we confess those sins. We ask for um, forgiveness. But, but that repentance for Christians, and this is so important and is a part of our sort of our life verse for our church is Romans 8.1. Even Steve said this. Um, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so this repentance should not lead us to despair, you know, woe is me, I'm undone. Hmm, It should actually lead us to dependence and joy because we are reminded, as you said from 1 John 1, 9, we are reminded right here when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so the prayer of repentance needs to be quickly followed. And I usually do this in the same prayer, um, you know, one sentence to another, they should be followed with an assurance of pardon, absolutely, right? an assurance of forgiveness. Yep. Um, because if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our yep. sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that assurance of pardon is so important um, because so far too often we've seen Christians that just don't understand what it means to be forgiven. They're mm-hmm. Christians, they've trusted in Christ, but they're still also trying to trust in their own righteousness and yeah. righteous works yeah. right trying to be good enough and yeah on in their on, by their own sweat <laughs> you know first john is the perfect book because it kind of addresses both people right so the so the guy who says you know i don't think i sinned this week <laughs> i think i did uh, love the lord my god with all my heart soul mind and strength to the full extent as he ought to be worshiped and glorified i did that well First John actually says something about that. You should be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> like you should be really worried. Yeah. And and the guy who, you know, is crushed under the weight of his own sin and says, "Oh God, have mercy on a wretch like me." First John actually addresses that guy too. He says, "Hey, good news." <laughs> you know, your sen- sensitivity to your sin tells us a lot about your 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 state, your status yeah. with with God.